Ask the Fallen Angels by Ariel Strauss Ruland Scene 1, mid-January 2044 Many years in the future, in New York City, the 29th Annual Shakespeare Convention will take place at the Wayam Hotel. On the second evening of the convention, a young actress named Camille, dressed as Balthazar the lawyer, will recite Porsche's monologue from The Merchant of Venice as part of the showcase. Therefore, June, though justice be thy plea, consider this, that in the course of justice we all must see salvation, we all do pray for mercy, and that same prayer doth teach us all to render the deeds of mercy. Thank you. My name is Camille Kelly, and I represent the Bards Against Humanity. We're a nonprofit theater company based in Los Angeles. If you're ever in the area, please do attend one of our performances. Our next production will be Romeo and Juliet in March. Enjoy the rest of the show, and we'll see you next year. Later on that night at the Shakespeare, a pub inside the hotel, a young actor named Beckett will approach Camille. They will have seen each other every year at a convention, but have never spoken. I found your Portia very moving. What inspired you to act? Thanks. Um, okay. Don't laugh. But I heard a saying once that we're all spiritual beings brought to Earth to have a human experience and get closer to love. If love is this ultimate truth, well, we're all here to experience and express. Then acting is my favorite way to do that. But you, Beckett, the whole con is talking about your Macbeth. You brought that conflicted conscience to his character. Oh, I saw it in your eyes. Nomad Theater Troupe is very lucky to have you. I'm lucky that my dad built our company from the ground up. Many actors are struggling to find work nowadays, and theater isn't what it used to be. Well, at least not according to my dad. I was too young to remember life before the pandemic of 2020, but my first trip to the theater was socially distanced, and I had to wear a mask. Me too. I was born in 2018. So was I, in April. June. Wow. I didn't know we're the same age. Next thing you'll tell me is you're from Connecticut. <laughs> I am from Connecticut, Greenwich. No way. Stanford. So we grew up within miles of each other and we didn't know it? Small world. But you're in L.A. now, right? Yeah, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts there. Are you for real? So did I. But I went to the New York campus. This is crazy. Is that where you met Willa? Where is she anyway? Uh, we split up last year. And she's no longer with the company. But yes, we met at AADA. I see. Well, that's too bad. Can I buy you a drink? Sure. All right. What are you having? Ah, uh, I'll try. 
The Tempest. <laughs> a little later into the night, Beckon and Camille will be seated in big comfy chairs by the roaring fireplace in the pub, still talking, laughing, drinking, and enjoying each other's company. Mm, I'm so glad we finally got to hang out. Me too. Okay. Can I ask you something? I know it isn't something you should ever just straight up ask a person, but I'm drunk and that's my excuse. Are you gay? <laughs> I don't mind that question. And no, I'm as bi as the bard himself. Oh my god, Becca, we're both bi. Both from Connecticut, both AADA alums. Both turning 26 this year. Is there anything else I'm forgetting? We're both slightly pissed. <laughs> You're right. I should go to bed. There'll be plenty more at the party tomorrow night. Will I see you there? Without a doubt. Okay, well, good night. Good night. The next evening, in the garden room above the pub, Beckett will be seen socializing with Samuel, who is his father, and Declan, one of the founding members of the company, Nomad Theater Troupe. Camille will march right up to the three of them and tap Beckett on the shoulder. Hey, I'm sorry to interrupt. Can I have a word with Beckett? Excuse me, guys. What's up, Camille? I'm sorry to bother you, but... I just had to tell you, I think you're super cute. Scene 2 Late January 2044, after the convention, Camille will have made a short side trip to Greenwich to see her family before returning to L.A. Becca and the Nomads will have traveled south to continue the tour of Macbeth. Each will miss the other, though they still barely know each other by this point. Beckett will be all Camille thinks about. Their every interaction will play out again and again in her mind. When Camille's mother, Erica Kelly, notices her daughter spacing out over dinner, she'll clear her throat. <clears> throat> Cammy, are you okay, honey? You seem a bit distracted. Yeah, Ma. Sorry. I, uh, well, I met someone at the convention. Oh, really? Guy, girl, or somewhere in between? He is the most gorgeous guy I have ever seen. Oh. Well, what's his name? Beckett. Oh, my God, Mom. We have so much in common. He's from Stanford, and he went to AADA, but the New York campus. And he's only like two months older than me. And he's such a good actor. He's even queer like me. And I'm 99% sure he likes me, too, because when I told him how cute I thought he was, he said, well, you're pretty sexy yourself. Oh, I don't know if he was just saying, just being funny, because, well, he is funny. And sometimes when people say things like that, they're just being friendly. But, damn it, I so wish I could follow him on tour. His troop is doing Macbeth. Wow. Sounds like you two really hit it off, huh? What's this troupe called? Nomad Theater Troupe. And get this. They're based out of Stanford, 
and they go all over the country in this wagon that opens to a stage. And every year at the convention, I'm just more and more impressed by them. Beckett's dad, Samuel, runs the company. Isn't that hilarious? Samuel and Beckett? Samuel Beckett. Anyway, they've been around since before the pandemic of 2020. God, I really wish I hadn't gone to L.A. now. I mean, I love my company, but I always wanted to travel the country. Camille will be so busy talking that she won't notice her parents exchange worried glances with each other. Cammie, listen to me. That company is bad news. I used to work for them before I met your dad. Seriously? I mean, I knew you were into theater, but you never told me you went professional? Well, that's just it. They're not professional. They're... The extreme opposite. I'm glad you had a great time at ShakesCon, and I'm happy that you met someone nice. But you did what was right for you, and your journey going to L.A. to pursue your craft. Professionally. Don't get involved with Nomad. I can tell you from personal experience, it was hell. And I don't know how on earth they've kept it going this long. I really don't. But, Mom, they are professional. They've got non-profit status, and they've, they're well-known in every community they visit. People crave theater these days. It's something that's been lost over the years, and I'd be thrilled to be part of it. Erica will be lost for words, at which point Simon will step in. It's not that she doesn't want you to do what makes you happy. She wants you to be careful, right, honey? When your mom and I first met, she was still healing from what she went through during her years spent with Nomad. Hold on. Wait, Mom, you spent years with them? What, what did you do? Were you an actress? Yes, and no. It's difficult to explain. Uh, I'd known Sam since I was a teenager. I was in love with him. And it doesn't surprise me that you're interested in his son. At this, Camille will start to feel strange about her attraction to Beckett. In love? Like, how in love? Like, head over heels? Were you involved with him? Yeah. We were a couple for almost three years, but he was much older than I. How much older? He'd been my drama teacher in high school, and after I graduated college, we worked together at the general store. He had this big dream of starting a theater company on wheels, and it sounded so romantic to me. I felt compelled to help him start it up. We worked together with his big gay best friend, Rupert, to try and gain funding for the project. We were successful, and in the process, Sam and I consummated our affection for each other. I thought this meant that he loved me, too, and I'm sure in some ways he did, but he was both emotionally and physically abusive. And, as it turned out, so was Rupert. The big gay best friend? Mm-hmm. Rupert and I got into an argument once, and it got heated. He started beating me up. It wasn't until I was black and blue that Sam finally called the cops on him. He blamed me for losing his best friend. Me, the one with the black eye and the chipped tooth. Sam must have taken an example from Rupert, because little by little, he started getting more and more aggressive with me. He 
He hit me. Often. Mom, how could you let someone treat you like that? Didn't you tell anyone? Grandma? Grandma, Grandpa, and Auntie and Uncle could all see the signs, but I denied them. I was afraid. But more than that, I wanted things to work out with Sam. I was desperate for a marriage, a home, a family of my own. All of my dreams revolved around him. But when Sam held me at knife point and threatened to end my life, that's when I finally snapped out of it and mustered the courage to get away. I cut off all communication with him. But it took me years to come to terms with what had happened to me. Sam and Rupert made me believe that all men acted like that when they got angry. And then I met your dad, and everything changed. I felt whole, accepted, and happy, truly happy for the first time in my life. And when I did something clumsy, he didn't react with anger. In fact, I've never seen your dad get boiling mad. I've seen him get pissed off, but he's never directed that at me or you. I finally understood what I was worth and what I'd been missing all of those years. So, in other words, this is you warning me not to go down that same road, right? I love you, Camille. You came from love, and I don't want you to have to go through what I did to find your true love. The right person will treat you with kindness, respect, and support at all times, not just when they want something from you. Don't waste your heart on anyone who doesn't treat you the way you deserve or harms you in any way. That isn't real love. Mom, I know I'm young, but I'm not stupid. I could spot red flags from miles away. The Sam guy might have been bad news once. And, and I'm very sorry for what you went through. But I'm not about to make all the same mistakes you did. I'm a grown woman, and I know my own heart. And I like Beckett. He'll probably just wind up being a long-distance pen pal I run into every year at ShakesCon. That's it. And I'm fine with that. Honestly, I hope that puts your mind to rest. I knew I raised a woman with a good head on her shoulders. I just I wanted you to know everything that happened. I know, Mom. I love you. And I'm sorry. Well, it's long over now. Scene 3, February 2044, but it will be far from over. For the next two weeks, Beckett and Camille will be talking, texting, and video chatting with each other, continuing to flirt and grow closer as friends. On Valentine's Day, Beckett will ask Camille if she would like to be his girlfriend. As in a romantic girlfriend? Is there any other kind? You know my mom warned me against you. She warned you against my dad. I still don't see how he could be such a bad guy. He isn't. Honest. Yeah, he has a temper, but all mad artists have one. It's part of their genius. Yeah, well, tell that to my mother. Your mother doesn't have to know. Not yet, anyway. But you know I tell her everything. I know. And you should. But maybe keep this a secret. For now? Well, okay. Okay? So, you're my girl? 
and you're my guy. <laughs> so, when am I coming to see you in L.A.? Whenever you want. Just give me two weeks' notice, because I have to book vacation time at work. And I'm not missing Romeo and Juliet rehearsals, so be prepared. Of course. I wouldn't want to distract you from your real work, your art. Scottish play ends in three weeks. Romeo and Juliet premieres in four. Should I come see you as Juliet in March? <gasps> For real? You'd come to opening night? If it doesn't make you even more nervous to perform, yeah. Are you kidding? I'm going to be too excited to be nervous. Oh, I can't wait. Would you buy your plane tickets already? Uh, this is too much. I'm going to die. Oh, please don't. Because then I might have to see an apothecary for a dram of poison with which to... Oh, stop <laughs> it. You're going to be amazing. I love you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did I really just say that? I'm happy you said it first. But, like, we haven't even had our first real date yet. Or our first kiss. It's too soon. Shit! Ooh, I like it when you swear. It's sexy. Oh, just ignore me. I love you too, Camille Kelly. Scene 4. Early March 2044, Nomad Headquarters. Back in 2014, Nomad was a truck that opened to a stage. In 2044, the truck will have been traded for a much more state-of-the-art show wagon. Beckett and his father, Samuel, will live inside the wagon. It serves as their tiny home, which can easily be converted into a tiny theater, complete with a curtain, moving set pieces, floodlights, and even a small backstage area for the actors to exit and enter from. Samuel will be the director of the company, as well as the builder of this magnificent home-to-stage mobile carriage. Though he'll grow older and weaker, he'll be just as passionate about his craft as he always was. His son will approach him at the wheel, looking weary as anything. Beckett, you're up early. I don't think you've been to bed at all. You're right. There's been something on my mind, and I need to tell you. Is it about that girl you've been video chatting with every night? Yeah, Dad. Her name's Camille, and we've been dating since Valentine's Day. Great. Good for you. Where does she love again? L.A. Don't you remember me telling you I was going to see her after we finished the Scottish play? You told me you booked flights to see the friends for two weeks. Damn, you really must love this girl. She's Erica Kelly's daughter. Should I know who Erica Kelly is? I thought you dated her back when Nomad was still new. You mean Erica Papil. It's Kelly now. She's married, and I'm dating her daughter. She has a daughter? Wow. Wait, wait. How did you two meet if she lives in L.A.? She was at ShakesCon. Remember the girl who interrupted our conversation on the last day? The one who did the speech from the Merchant of Venice. She's my girlfriend now. And what's her name again? It's Camille. Samuel will nod his head, processing the news.
Dad, I have to know something. Did you beat Erica up? What? No, no, that wasn't me. That was Rupert, an old friend of mine. I left them alone one afternoon and they just went off on each other. I came home to find my girlfriend black and blue and Rupert kept on apologizing over and over. I called the cops on him and ended my friendship with him then and there. Never spoke to him since. Why? What has she told you? I've never met Erica. He'll told me that she told her that you treated her badly and she doesn't really approve of our relationship. In fact, I asked Camille to keep it a secret from her mom for now. But pretty soon we're going to be in the same space together and I don't want to hide what's been going on anymore. Especially not from my own father. Well, you were right to tell me. So, is it true? Did you really hit Camille's mom? I told you already. That was Rupert. I don't know why she wouldn't approve of your relationship. You're nearly 26. Date whoever you want. Unless she's a minor. No, she's two months younger than me. Anyway, Erica doesn't approve because of you, Dad. Because of me? That's ridiculous. Come on. There's something you're not telling me. I'm sure whatever it is, she's already told you. So, it is true. Stop playing games with me, Beckett. What have I been accused of? She said you held her at knife point and threatened to end her life. You didn't believe her, did you? Not at first. But I've been told you need to believe women. Well... In this case, you did right to listen to her and show concern, but I didn't do that, okay? Now, let's move on and have a good day. We've got a show tonight, and I need my leading man to be rested. Are you being honest with me? You're my son. I know, but sometimes you... Beckett, I'm telling you, let this one go. Go and be with your girl in L.A. Be happy. But will you be happy for me? Like many times before this day, Samuel won't be able to answer his son. There'll be a lot left unsaid between them, but Becca will decide to make his own happiness with Camille. Scene 5. Late March, 2044. On the opening night of Romeo and Juliet, Camille will be pacing around the dressing room, a nervous wreck. Her best friend, Anna, will be backstage with her. So, is your man out in the audience? That good? Yeah, he's been here for a few days. <sighs> Staying with me and my roommates. I took him to the zoo yesterday before tech. Oh, I'm so nervous I feel sick. Just breathe, Cammie. So what's he like in bed? You know I've been waiting for marriage. I'm devout and follow the Bible. I caught that one, Missy. And you having been with women makes that redundant. Mind your business, you. Curtain is in 15. 
I'd take your seat before somebody else does. See you in two hours. Break a leg. I'm going to keep an eye out for him. Leave him alone, Anna. Just enjoy the show. Oh, uh, don't throw up, don't throw up. After the show, Anna, Beckett, and Camille will be walking to the local diner together. Camille will be carrying flowers and chocolates, her loud stage makeup still caked to her face. She'll be riding that post-show high. And I didn't throw up. So proud of you, boo. The most inspired Juliet I've ever seen. Oh, really? Okay, you two cuties. Go pose in front of the diner. Don't post that, okay? What? Why? You guys are adorable. My makeup looks gross post-performance. No, it doesn't. You're still super pretty. Tell her back it. Yep, still sexy. But we're trying not to go public on social media yet. Oh, is that why? No one's going to think twice about which man you're standing next to this week, Prima Donna. Don't worry. Please be respectful. Anna, as my best friend. Oh, okay, sorry. Can I ask why you're hiding from the world? I'm just from our parents. Well, you know we're not in high school anymore, right? You can date whoever you want. Not when my dad and her mom have a history. And they're none too thrilled we're into each other. How in the world do your parents even know each other? Is planet Earth really that tiny? Well, you know we're both from Connecticut. Oh, that makes so much sense. If her parents found out we're in love... Oh, oh my God. Stop it right there. You guys are legit Romeo and Juliet. Alive and well. I'm going to post this photo, and I'm going to tag you. And your parents will react however they're going to react. They're on the East Coast, and you're here, and you're in love, and you're happy. And there isn't anything they can do about it. So no to the drinking poison and the stabby-stabby. You got that? Beckett and Camille will glance at each other, uncertain. But Beckett will brighten. Okay. Do it. What? Do it. Yes. Shit. Later on that night, in bed, Camille will be struggling with her sadness surrounding her mother's reaction to the photo that Anna will have posted during dinner. She hates me. She does not hate you. At least your dad already predicted you loved me. How else do you explain going to see your friend in a play in L.A. for two and a half weeks? I already let it spill to Dad before I came here. He's been really evasive about the whole thing, but I don't really care. Look at how well all our friends are so supportive. Didn't you see Declan's comment? He's so happy for us. Maybe my dad will feel better knowing the whole troop is on our side. Yeah, well, my mom's not going to lighten up about this. (sighs) Ever. I don't see how we can get married if my family isn't on board. You want to marry me? 
Camille want to eat her words the way she will when she accidentally spills to Beckett that she loves him so early on. But this is the whole truth, and she'll resign herself to it. Ever since I first laid eyes on you as Oberon five years ago, at my first shakes gone, you and Willow were amazing as the fairy king and queen. I used to wish I were in her shoes. Don't, Cammy. It was always you. You may not have had my affection then, but you have it now and always, if that's what you want. Is that what you want, too? Do you want to get married someday? Yeah, I do. Then my mom will have to see reason. Your dad never wanted to marry her. He gave her no inclination whatsoever that forever was what he wanted. She drove herself hysterical over it. But you're not like that. I can't believe I can just have this without all the pining and wishing and wondering. And I can't believe you love me just as much. Sometimes I get scared that this is too good to be true. That maybe everything fits too perfectly. Eventually, you just get bored and move on. Move on? Why would I ever do that? You're endlessly fascinating to me. Is that what happened with Willow? Uh, sort of. But I'm, I'm not thinking about her anymore. Thinking of us and our future. Where will we live? Maybe we could form our own nonprofit theater company or something. I would love to do that with you. You know, it'd have to be Shakespeare all the time. It's what brought us together. Plus, no copyright risks. It's just perfect. You're perfect. Scene 6, April 2044. Romeo and Juliet's relationship found its full expression immediately after they met. It had to. They had only days to be with each other in life before following each other in death. Beckett and Camille, you were blessed with time in this life. Protect yourselves from the fate of your past lives by cherishing what you have and nurture it slowly. Slowly. What a weird dream. Hey, Beckett? Beckett? Camille awakened early to find her bed empty and a note on Beckett's pillow. It will read. Out for a walk. Be back before ten for our day at the beach. Please don't worry. I love you. She'll sigh, not in relief, but in love. It'll be a cold, windy April morning at the beach. Camille will be purchasing hot chocolates for the two of them from the Shake Shack. As she carries them back to their spot, She'll notice Beckett laying roses in the sand. And she'll be confused because there's nowhere around he could have bought the roses from. As she draws closer, she won't believe what she's seeing. He'll get down on one knee. Will you marry me, Camille? Beckett will present Camille with a diamond ring. The first thing she'll shout is, Shakespeare's birthstone! <laughs> Only you would get that. And comment before saying yes. Wait, are you saying yes? Yes, of course. 
They'll embrace while tears of the most profound joy pour down on their grinning faces. On the bus ride home, Camille will lean her head against Beckett's shoulder and admire the brilliant ring on her finger. Within the diamond, however, she'll recognize the reflection of the angel's eyes from her dream and snap into a reality-crushing realization. Beckett, do you think we're moving too fast? We've only been together for like a month, and this is the first time we're officially in the same space together. Maybe we should announce our engagement later. Say, in a year or so? Would you wear that ring for a year and dodge every question you get? Or do you want to be honest and just tell everyone the happy news? But do you really think our families and friends will just accept that we're getting married after being together a month? Why wouldn't they? Other than the fact that uh, our parents don't get along. They don't just not get along, Beckett. They're mortal enemies, like the Capulets and Montagues. My mom hates your dad. She's a survivor of his abuse. And I'm sure Sam's not psyched you're here with the daughter of his ex. He definitely doesn't want to own up to hurting her and, frankly, traumatizing her. Hey, do you have something against my dad? Of course I do. Don't you? No. Well, I mean, he told me he didn't. Well, he tells me a lot of things that aren't true. You know what? Screw him. I'm not getting in an argument with my new fiancé over their 30-year-old feud. This is between us. But it isn't just us anymore, Beckett. We're legally and spiritually becoming a family. They're trying to bury their past, and if we begin a future together, then they can't do that. Stars aren't aligning. We may have to face that we're star-crossed. Don't say that. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Love doesn't make sense, and it doesn't have to. Listen, we're nothing like Romeo and Juliet. You and me, we're older and wiser. We got this. But where will we live? Here or Connecticut with all that drama? Our lives are dramatic wherever we go. Don't forget, we make a living doing drama. I meant real-life drama. If home is where the heart is, then I will make my home wherever you are. So here, then? If that's what you want. And give up your truth, your way of life? Please don't, Beckett. Why not? Because... Don't cry, please. If you leave them, you will lose what makes you, you. And I couldn't handle the weight of that guilt. Knowing you'd give up your identity as a nomad for me. Would you become a traveling actor with us, then? We don't have much use for the money we make. We can't own very much stuff traveling around all the time. It's a romantic life, but there's no settling down and starting a family. 
I'm trying to act on the correct instinct that I found the person I'm meant to build a family with. I don't want to have children, Beckett. We don't need to have children to be a family. We could get a dog, or a cat, or a bunny. I'm allergic to all three of those. Then we'll get a turtle, or no pets at all. The point is the hard part's over for me. I found you. And now even though you live here and I live, well, nowhere the way I see it, the world is ours. Scene 7, late May 2044. Camille will have finished her run of Romeo and Juliet. During the month of May, her theater will take a hiatus. Most of her days will be filled with her temp job and coming home to no Beckett. Both will miss each other intensely. Beckett will suffer migraines and Camille a chest cold. The laughing with each other over FaceTime will heal their ailments. Simply calling each other fiancé will brighten their world. By now, they'll have sent their save-the-date cards, Beckett having handed one to each of his troopmates. His father will not say much to him about it, but a half-hearted congratulations. June 2044 by the first week of June, Camille will have received a video call from her mother back home. You're marrying him? I wanted to tell you, Mom. I really did. You were so unsupportive when you found out we were dating. I, I got scared. I don't know if I'm more upset over the fact that you're marrying my ex-abuser's son or the fact that you couldn't tell me about it. Cammy, this is a big deal. A wedding is a once-in-a-lifetime event. I'm your mother. You should have told me. I'm sorry, Mom. Except... No, wait. I'm not sorry. You told me I was out of my mind to let Beckett manipulate me. You told me I needed a strong man to take care of me, even though you raised me to be self-sufficient. And by the way, Beckett is a strong man. You told me I'd wind up taking on too much for his theater company. You told me to wait until you were dead before we got married and hoped we wouldn't give you grandchildren. Are those words anyone would want to hear from her mother? You're lucky I want you to be there. Not that you'd show up. Samuel already RSVP'd with a yes. Oh, my baby girl. <laughs> of course I want to be there. I love you so much. I'm having a lot of trouble accepting who you've chosen to be your husband. But I'll try to be happy for you. I can promise you that much. I don't want to ruin our relationship. You're my only child. Scene 8, July 2044. In the weeks leading up to Camille's journey to the East Coast to see Beckett in his production of Henry IV Part Two, she will be plagued with dreams. It is ironic that most of these nightmares visions will take place in heaven, where she'll be pleading with the angels to allow her to be reunited with the one true love who will have fallen to earth. Romeo and I have been through hell on earth together. I didn't follow him into heaven. 
only to lose him again? He has passed on into his next life. You'll be next if you can be patient. But I miss him so much it physically hurts. Even here, two months seems like eternity. And who knows how long it'll take me to find him again when I've begun my next life. Trust me, I know your pain. I've been here 12 long years without my own love. A true love is worth waiting eternity for. And once you do, an eternity of love awaits you. Maybe I don't have to play by the rules. After all, I had the courage to take my own life, didn't I? Doesn't time work differently here? What if I just... Please, you mustn't go yet. It isn't your time. I refuse to wait longer. Camille will feel herself running through the mists between worlds until the ground beneath her gives way and she'll be falling. She will wake now to the familiar line, Romeo, I come, playing in her head. Scene 9, August 2044. Beckett and Camille will be reunited on the road for the first two weeks in August. They will show lodgings at the Marriott Hotel in Stamford, where the first of seven shows will be held. They and the Nomads will move south to the city, make an appearance at the New York Fringe Festival, Passu, Delaware, and the two will end the reunion in Maryland. Camille will visit her parents whilst in Connecticut, and she'll plan to bring Beckett along. While they're getting ready to meet Eric and Simon, Camille will tell Beckett about her disturbing, recurring dreams. It feels like I've known you longer than my lifetime. In my dreams, our love transcends time zones, countries, even time itself. I think I'd love you even if I never knew you. You're always spouting such poetry. When we first met, you told me we're all spiritual beings here to get closer to love. I never forgot that. Why are you so worried? Because in every dream, I'm Juliet, and you're Romeo, and we're dead, or our souls are in heaven, or I'm in heaven and you're in hell or on earth, and not with me. And it's like I'm desperate to be with you. Sounds like symptoms of LDR to me, coupled with a crazy obsession with Shakespeare. But it's deeper than that. I think they're warnings. What are they warning you about? How quickly we're moving? Do you realize we're getting married in only five months? Five months, three weeks, and one day. Ah, but who's counting? If our love transcends time itself, like you said, doesn't it mean that we can theoretically get married whenever I guess so. Remember that scene in When Harry Met Sally? When Harry says, when you find the person you want to spend your life with, you want the rest of your life to start right away. That's us, right? Right. So there's nothing to worry about. But... Don't mention your parents, please. I'm nervous enough. Later on that evening... Camille and Beckett will meet with Mr. and Mrs. Kelly at their table outside the Cask Republic, a local restaurant and brewery. 
Instead of awkwardly shaking hands, Beckett will extend hugs to both Simon and Erica, amazing them both. Then they will take their seats, a several combined with their drink order. So Beckett, I hear you're playing Prince Hal. How's that going? We open tomorrow night. Had our last tech rehearsal today. I'll bet it was a shit show with a furious director and a million fuck-ups, right? Mom! I don't believe you. We talked about this. Actually, no. It went smoothly, and everyone feels ready and excited. Director pleased. Sam said Beckett was on fire. I'll bet he did. Look, I don't know how things were when you helped run the troop, Mrs. Kelly. But things are different now. We have a superb grant writer that gets us situated every tour. All actors are properly housed by a sponsor during the rehearsal period. Then on tour, we're put up in hotels. Camille and I are staying at the Marriott, and then across the street is our first performance space. You're welcome to come see it. We have a large audience at every show. The setup and breakdown are seamless. We have an on-site makeup and wardrobe assistant, as well as several backstage hands. Everyone is paid on time, and the wages are fair. My dad can get tense sometimes, but we're not victims to his mood swings. We all pitch in to make sure we have enough food and water and supplies for the road. We're a great bunch, and we get along like a family unit. I'm sure you have a few horror stories you could share, but I'm not interested in hearing them. I love my life, and I love my dad. Dad met Camille today. Do you know what he said? He has nothing against her. I hope in time, you'll have nothing against me. He will take the first sip of his beer next to his son fiance, and Simon will smile. I don't have anything against you, Beckett. As far as I can tell, you're a good kid. And it's plain that you love my daughter. I thought I'd let go of the past long ago, but then you turned up and suddenly it surfaced again. Trauma isn't something you just get over. You're right. It is going to take me some time to let it go again. Seeing your father at the wedding will bring back memories, to be sure. And not pleasant ones. Were there no good times between you and Sam, Mama? When I think back to those early few months when Sam and Rupert and I were all friends, when we made plans and ran fundraising events and we gathered the troop together for the first time, before all the screaming fights and the fallouts, yes. There were some good moments. I maybe made one or two true friends from that experience but I rarely speak to them now. No. What stuck with me was what you don't want to hear about over dinner, so let's talk about the wedding. What are you wearing, Cammy? Well, I, um, I was hoping you'd help me figure that out, Mama. And I would be honored if the two of you would walk me down the aisle. We'd love to, wouldn't we, Erica? Erica will only nod and make an attempt at smiling. Scene 10. Late January 2045, many years in the future, in New York City, the 30th Annual Shakespeare Convention will take place at the William Hotel. Beckett will arrive in the lobby with Samuel. Feels like home to be here. 
doesn't it, Dad? A minute later, Camille will arrive with Simon and Erica. Upon seeing Beckett, Camille will rush into his arms. This is their wedding weekend, here, at the place where they first met. Erica will completely ignore Samuel's presence, but she'll greet her soon-to-be son-in-law. So this is Shakescon. Interesting hotel. Mom, Dad, I believe you know Sam, Beckett's father. Good to see you. See you. Yeah. Listen, kids, you all go ahead and catch up. I'm going to go see what's on the menu at the Shakespeare. Sam will exit abruptly. See, Mom? That wasn't so bad. Erica, too, will exit abruptly. You shouldn't say that, Camille. But... It isn't your cross to bear, so don't give it another thought. Just enjoy this beautiful time. It only comes once. How can I when she won't get over herself and her feelings? Not even for me, for us. Later on that evening, Camille will be alone in her hotel room, lying on the bed in tears. An angel will appear to her, and at this point she won't even be surprised. The angel will place a comforting hand on her shoulder. Why do you weep? Because I didn't listen to you. I'm getting married too quickly, and it's ruining my relationship with my mom. She's so angry with me. What's done is done. The only way now is forward. If you wish to change the course of your generational trauma and break the destructive chain once and for all, marry Beckett. So now you're telling me it's okay to rush into things? No, I'm saying since you've chosen this path, continue it. But won't that lead to more tragedy? Aren't Beckett and I doomed? Just say it. I don't believe anyone will die if you and Beckett get married tomorrow, Camille. But it may lead to some heartache for both of your parents. In time, they will move on. But the wedding itself may be, well, a little on the dramatic side. Of course. Drama is our lives, after all. There was a reason Romeo and Juliet married in secret. Maybe they had the right idea. If you do that, your mother may never forgive you. Marry Beckett tomorrow, in front of your parents. They'll see their struggle was not in vain. Their hearts may open to love. And in their own time, they'll heal their wounds themselves. I hope you're right. Last year around this time, I was reciting a monologue about the quality of mercy. I pray tomorrow they show each other mercy and just let us be happy. Scene 11. On January 23rd, 2045, Beckett and Camille will be married in front of at least 40 congoers, friends and family. Declan will be the best man, and recite Sonnet 116 by William Shakespeare, of course. Anna will be the maid of honor. Camille will wear her mother's wedding dress, and will be escorted down the aisle by both her parents. Samuel will look on with a joy he will rarely experience, as his only son marries the love of his life. So, too, will Erica. She and Beckett's mother, Leanne, will light the unity candle together. Later on at the reception... Erica and Leanne will bond over having been through similar ordeals with Samuel. 
It's strange seeing him here, isn't it? Sort of like a nightmare in the middle of a fairy tale. It is, but I knew one day our son would want to get married. I'm doing my best to tune Sam out and just focus on our baby, who deserves nothing but love and happiness on this day and all days. Agreed. I've been so foolish when it comes to Camille. I reacted negatively. Well, that's understandable, but for today, if only for today, we must put those feelings aside. Erica will nod. Further into the evening, she will conclude her mother of the bride's speech. A man's actions, his words, the way he makes a woman feel builds up over time. Beckett, you love Camille with all of your heart and have been known to build her up so she continues to be the happiest girl in the world. I'm proud to call you my son. Camille, my most precious daughter, you didn't settle. You found the real deal, and you are a light in this world. May you forever shine your light together. I wish you both many years of blissful, laughter-filled, creative, passionate marriage. To Mr. and Mrs. Eastling. The sound of cheers will fill the reception hall, and somewhere in the room, an angel will raise a glass.